Hi. Hello. Hi, Gotti. Welcome back to Hide or Practice. Cotty Paloma here a, is currently an LA-based artist, but soon to be on Erica's side of the pond, going to Germany and then France with uh, the wife and the baby, who's also uh-huh. an artist. Um, so he is an incredible painter, sculptor, multimedia, just incredible artist, and then also was an art handler, but just graduated last install in July. Cotty, huh? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. How are you? Good, good. Um, yeah. To the studio, and I'll put in like six hours today, and I mean, that's it. <laughs> I mean, that's it. Just a yeah. casual six hours. Yeah. It's a lot of time. Um, so well, since lockdown, I've been able to come here six days a week. So it's amazing. Yeah, I'm one of the lucky studios that didn't get shut down. Yeah. yeah. Um. So do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your art practice? And then uh, we'd love to talk to you about your art handling as well. Yeah, I mean, I've been a painter for about 20 years or so. I started in San Francisco and then was there for 13 years and then was offered a show in Berlin. So I just moved to Berlin in 2009 and then... Uh, yeah, met my current wife after a couple months there, and then we moved to Brooklyn for three years, and then back to Berlin for four, and then to LA in 2016, and we have this sort of trend like every three, four years, it seems like we're moving somewhere else. So in October, we're packing up the studios, putting all the contents on a boat, and sending it to Europe. <laughs> boat. Oh my god. That's incredible. It'll take three months to arrive. And then in April, I'll be in London. I have a solo show at Sachi. Yeah, we have a show coming up. Yeah, with Sachi Yates in London. Um, It's the new commercial gallery for Charles Sachi's museum. And that's pretty exciting. So that's, I think, April 15th to May 25th or so. Oh, my God. You're going to be able to meet Erica in person before I do. That'd be cool. The work starts (laughs) waiting for them to send the shippers over. And um, so that'll be 14 paintings, new paintings that I made this year. Yes. And, um, That's a big deal. That's a lot of paintings. Yeah. It's like, it's like two months of work for me. So I work fast. So. And then I'll be, if things go as planned, they have me in a residency in Cornwall from March. To, so I'll be out there. And then bouncing between there and France, hopefully. So ah, that's amazing. I so yeah. like your 2021 is like half planned, basically. Yeah, finally something's planned. <laughs> so yeah, and then in LA, um, I needed a job when I moved here, and I thought it just would be best to be an art handler. I'd never done it before, and good opportunity to see what the scene is like here because I had just sort of a vague impression and. Uh, my impression of LA art back when I arrived here was a 1990s impression of <laughs> very, uh, which is the reason I, because I grew, I was born in LA and I grew up in Orange County. And 
um, in 96, I was 21 years old. So it was either LA or San Francisco for me. And I still have this impression of LA being very kind of fluorescent and silly and just kind of wacky, bad taste art. <laughs> so um, that impression changed when I moved here in 2016 and I got to handle like the new LA art and the new LA artists. Um, so I, it, it was a great sort of pathway into finding out what the LA art world is about and getting the behind the scenes of it. I don't and just think people talk you know, when about I here, when I moved here, I had like five pages of galleries that I wanted to work with for my own art. And then after working in art handling for a couple of months, I think it, it shrunk down to about four galleries. <laughs> just because you see the way the unprofessionalism, or you see how unhappy the staff is, or how they treat the art, or <laughs> treat the art handlers. And it quickly makes you change your mind about certain places. And then other places like vegan projects, you go there, everybody's in a great mood. And <laughs> it's like Right? It's such a joy to be there. Yeah. And you go to maybe like a mid-level gallery and it's just kind of like, oh man, I don't want to be working here today. <laughs> I don't I think people <laughs> talk about enough though, about how it's such a, like being an art handler is such a great way to learn your local scene and like artists, collectors at gallery dealers like you're really yeah. getting music like you're getting a little like a real education on the ground of everybody that's super unvarnished people are yeah. like really real with art handlers like they're not it's like their truest selves and sometimes that's really ugly and my my favorite thing was to go to the studios because i'm always fascinated as an artist how other artists run their studios um which i didn't do so much um, but there was uh, maybe 20 times I went to different artist studios um, so I first started working for US art and it was more like I was just on the truck I felt like a UPS driver for crates you know yeah I had no install skills and then I quit there after a few months and then moved to a company that only did installation and then I was in the clients home like the biggest clients of LA and that worked out for about a year. And then I switched to art movement, which was a blast. Completely horribly run, but the crew was great. The boss was fun. The clients were good. Long hours. But that's where I got to hone my skills as an installer and went from like the sort of the real estate mogul collectors to the Hollywood celebrities like overnight when I switched companies so I found myself in like he's home and home and uh, yeah just like a lot of celebrities and stuff so, so well, what does the art handler actually do just you know so we can backtrack for our listeners to to really know what art handle like what is the job description of an all, aspect, all the behind the scenes that has to deal with like physically handling handling a piece of art so like um, going to an artist studio and wrapping it up, like taking the paintings out of their racks or off their walls and slip casing them with plastic and cardboard and then transporting them to either a gallery where they will have their own install team or to a collector's house or picking, doing the same thing, but 
picking up from a gallery and um, going to a collector's house and working with designers and the collectors to basically get the art up on their walls or bring it back to the warehouse and someone at the warehouse will build a crate for it and then we when the crate's done we take it to the airport and send it off on a plane somewhere you know um i've been sent to a house where all we did in the hot sun was clean Anish Kapoor sculptures for eight hours you know oh. like really tedious boring shit <laughs> um yeah stretching paintings for people anything you could think of that a piece of art would require someone to do um you know even faking restoration work on it yeah anything you think of um and probably yeah. like new things too it's like nobody even like knows like how are you supposed to install it it's like figure it out that's your yeah. job right i mean i've moved a two-ton charles ray sculpture <gasps> from one side of a house actually <laughs> to oh another. my god Another side, and that was six hours to move that sculpture, just like yeah. 15, you know. And then that was for a party. And then the next day, we had to go and move the sculpture back to the original location. It was just because that client wanted that sculpture to be the first thing guests saw when they walked in, but not on a daily basis. So, yeah. Just for the occasion. And there's people they can pay for it, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so lots of that kind of stuff. <laughs> lots of truck driving. Um, I've been driven to um, Colorado with a select crew to install a sculpture like 30 feet up in the air above a fireplace. Um, crazy stuff, crazy stuff that I don't want to do anymore. <laughs> uh, for me, it was interesting in LA to see what people collect and um, they all collect the same artists. So you could start, you could show up at one house at eight in the morning and they have this Jonas Wood print. And then you go to the next house at 10 in the morning, they have the same Jonas Wood print. And then you go to the third house after lunch and they have the same Jonas Wood print. Or um, I've installed the same um, Baldessari poster like five times in one day in, in five different houses. So it gets a, in that aspect, you see like, you don't know if they're working together or they all they have friends. They, they all have the same, they probably maybe know each other, but I'm thinking rather they have the same art advisor. So depending on the art advisor, those clients will probably have the same collection. So I won't name any art advisors, but um, for instance, one I worked with was like really into Rashid Johnson and Jonas Wood and Sterling Ruby. So every house you went to that was a client of that art advisor, they had something by each of those artists. I literally have a Rashid Johnson on my desk right now that I have to send out. Yeah. Um, those works lulls. are heavy as fuck. Um, that's Back so here. interesting. I wonder, because I think you're right, because it's like the art advisor. I feel like this is where LA's kind of, you know, trendy nature really does us a disservice because it's like, I want what the neighbors have, which includes an art advisor, which yeah. includes the Baldessari poster, which includes this. And yeah. it can be, it's a little hard for people to get their own 
point of view. Did you notice, I was curious, because when you were saying you went from like the real estate moguls to the celebrities, did you notice like a difference in like the types of art or like, you know, things like that, like things like, I just always imagine celebrities are gonna have like flashier collections. Um, I, would, <laughs> I would say that the celebrity culture is less informed. Mm. And it's very, very it's democratic more, of you. More in need of an art advisor than say, like, uh, this is like actors and um, musicians. Yeah. The higher ups, like the CSA CEOs, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, these kind of people, the people that you don't know who they are, but they, they run Hollywood. They're, they're much more informed. Like your Dean Valentine's, you know, he's the yeah. biggest culture in LA. Yeah. Super, super, super awesome guy to work with. I uh, would love to be in his collection. Um, he has, I think him and Beth DeWitty might be the two biggest collectors in the country. Yeah. But Dean, Dean's very supportive of the LA scene. So when you go to, when you're handling a Dean Valentine, it's like nothing's really repeating because he's, he's constantly finding new stuff and he has so much art that he like outfits like office buildings with it. Yeah. You know, like, like they, I don't know what the deal is, but maybe, maybe they rent it from him or whatever. So I've been sent to an office and I've had to go up and down five different floors, like putting labels next to artworks and they're all Dean Valentine's art <laughs> just on loan. Wow. That's amazing. That's and, also really great, though, because so many people just put stuff in storage, so it's nice that it's out there. And he also least. has stuff in storage as well. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a difference between, like, the celebrity culture of collecting and, you know, um, the, the general public, I guess you can say. The, mm -hmm. the rich general public. <laughs> Celebrities are like millionaires, and the other side is the multi-millionaires and the billionaires. These people seem to be really informed yeah. as to what's going on. They also work with art advisors, but they're also much older. You know, they've yeah, been doing they're much older. 20, 30 years longer. Uh, they, they were collecting from New York because there was no real la scene at that time you know mm -hmm. like people who've been collecting since the 70s and 80s you know right they worked their ways up in their careers and um like i've been to what is is it cs uta i've been to drop off works at an office in uta and there's philip gustin's there that you'll never see anywhere because they're in this guy's yeah. office like these right. little 16 by 20 philip gustin's like and he might have bought them back in the day. Yeah, who knows? But those are on the, you know, and that's a very like secure office. You can't get in there without yeah. going through three levels of security. So I mean, those are more secure than a museum, probably. Um, or Basquiat's that you just were like, well, I didn't realize Basquiat did works on paper like that, you know? Or um, yeah, and then there's the other side, like people like who buy art, buy houses. Hire, would hire us to hang all the art in the new house that she just had refer, like re-renovated and then you install it and then two days later she's already sold it with all the art in it. 
Wow. She gets the house buyer to not only buy the house, but also the art, you know. That's um, incredible. Things like that. Yeah. It's, actually, it's like it's the Wild West out here. So you can really get away with that kind of stuff because of how much money is in L.A. Um, I don't know, like under this current climate with the COVID and all that, if that's still happening. Um, and I don't work for the companies that handle those accounts, so I, I have no idea. But it was a great insight because it's like, here's a person who just spent like, I don't know, 400000 on a Thomas House Iago, <clears throat> you know, maybe like 200000 on a Basquiat works on paper just to put it into a house that's hopefully going to be flipped, you know? So she's also flipping everything. I mean, don't quote me on this. This was just my impression when I was working there. But no, but I think that's that's not uncommon though. I think a lot of people do they <clears throat> like they style a home with a designer yeah. and they'll put in the furniture and they'll put in the artwork and the people see yeah. it and they love it and they buy it. It's not I mean, um, uncommon. We, my wife and I, have lent our collaborations to uh, designers who work with real estate agents, and then they sold the house with our piece in it, and then that was quite nice. You know, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. But then I'm saying that's like one level. And then you have this other level where it's like the amount of money is so crazy. Oh, well, because then when you're talking about a $15 million house, $400,000 isn't a lot of money. It's just yeah. proportional. But the, yeah. I think that was really interesting what you're saying about how like you get to see so much stuff that nobody ever sees. These are things that don't go to galleries. They don't go to museums. Yeah. These are like personal pieces. and you know, and major collections as well. I mean, these people bypass the entire public system. So you get to see your art education is like next like level. It's just the kind of thing you literally can't buy. Yeah, it was like a boot camp. You know, people go to um, that like what Sotheby's school here mm -hmm. to learn about stuff like that. And um, yeah, I kind of got firsthand like on the job training because Sometimes art advisors like spill secrets, but you know, you signed NDAs, so you're not going to talk about it, right? You but know? I mean, you don't get to keep it in your brain for later. Yeah, but it's still my personal information, you know, it's, it's my, my new ammo <laughs> somehow. I don't know. Yeah. So people treat art poorly then. There, no, let me rephrase that. There are some people who treat art poorly. Uh, There's some um, art advisors we were told do not let them pick up a piece of art because <laughs> they just don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to carry it. They put their fingers on the front of the painting or they're always having to like clean the glass afterwards because their fingerprints are all over the glass or just the way they stack things in their office or whatever. Uh, but galleries are the same, you know. Galleries sometimes just throw things in the corner. Art um, handling companies are the worst though because like, they don't know where anything is in the warehouse well because it, the, there's so much there's yeah. like so much there's so many paintings i mean i'm even saying this about your studio you have so many paintings i don't know uh, anything <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard not to get a little bit complacent sometimes when you're dealing with even when you know that something's really expensive i just remember when i was at like Doug Aikens and like Doug don't call me but like I would you know I'd have to like pick up a piece from a place and I'd have to go here and I'd have to go there and you know I wasn't like it's just in the back of like my matrix 
yeah. you know, and I've got some like stuff around it, but it's not like I'm doing a really proper job while I'm getting this stuff made. And at this point in the day, it's not worth as much as it would be after it goes through Regan projects, but yeah. it's still, you know, but it's hard not to like, especially when everything's so hurry, hurry, hurry. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I mean, I didn't work in this industry anywhere else. Um, but um, here it's like, everything's last minute. Very last minute. And Very last minute. Because clients can afford that, you know? So there's like one client, we'd be on our way home from, say, like Beverly Hills. And we're like three blocks back to the warehouse after a really long, grueling day. And client calls the office and was like, I need you to send four guys over now. <laughs> you're like, dude, it's four o'clock. Just got back to downtown. Got to go all the way back to Beverly Hills and then work for like three more hours and then sit in traffic to get all the way back downtown. It's like, to me, it drove me nuts. But from the boss's standpoint, that, that's pretty good because they could charge a rush fee. You know? Yeah. Because you want it, you want it now. You want it, it's, yeah. you know, and it, it's if you're spending that much on a piece of art, you're going to want to pay someone to handle it properly. Yeah. Um, that the art handlers in LA are fantastic. Like they mm -hmm. really know what they're doing. So, it's a, a lot of them. Yeah, it's like it, it's a dirty, grueling job. Like you gotta be that kind of person to do it. You know, it I'm always like physically strenuous. Physically, mentally. <laughs> you, I mean, it, it can be mentally straining on you yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's frustrating. Like my my biggest pet peeve was um, just waiting around for people to make a decision. Like I don't like right. sitting in the house. You can't sit on their couch. It looks <laughs> weird when you sit on their floor. Right. You can't really go too far outside because they're gonna call you at any minute. So you're just in this limbo waiting room, and they could take up to an hour, two hours to decide just where to put one thing, and you're just like okay, hurry up. <laughs> right. Like, did you not think about this before I got here? No, no. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> or no. maybe they do. And then there's a lot of like back and forth, like the designer or art advisor will have like this grand vision, but then the client's not into it. So it's like, or you'll go and you'll do, you'll install without the client, but with the art advisor who I like, is actually the client, but, um, and then you'll get called back the next day to go and like swap things around because then the client finally got to see, like her client got to see it and they weren't happy with like where placements were or whatever. Yep, but, yep. but the job, the better jobs were like the installs that took like three or four days because you knew where you're going every day, you knew what time you had to be there, you knew what time lunch was, you knew what you were doing. And it was more fun. It was more fluid, I guess. Um, and then after day one, like you're on a, you're, you're not really the worker. Like they don't treat you like a worker anymore. It's, mm -hmm. they, they see the importance that you bring like while you're there. So the, the respect level goes up more, I guess. Yeah. No, there's like a relationship and a rapport and it's, you're yeah. not just like, you know, art prepared or number one, you're caught. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you, you know, when you get to work with the same designers or the same uh, 
our device just over and over after like a couple months like then it gets really nice because then they're like really grateful and yeah and they're like take your time you know don't rush anything and if client gives you a problem just come to me you know things like that so um yeah <laughs> i don't know what else to say um I have a question. Did your, do you think that like any, like what's the most exciting, like not the most exciting, did you discover any artists or like pieces while you were, while you've been doing this that were like really like influenced you or changed you or like sparked inspiration? Uh, or do you think that you were like, oh my God, I can't look at another, you know, Jonas another Lloyd. Charles Wright. <laughs> <laughs> I would say maybe I was at, um, Josh Ross before he passed away, de installing his house to move his collection to the new house they bought. And there was a Sterling Ruby there. I never knew Sterling did stuff like that before. It was a, it was a small sculpture, small meaning it was like four feet by one feet, you know, and it was very, we had to call the studio and have them fact, like not facts, but, um, email over directions on how to deinstall it and um then that was quite nice you know to see that um there was a lot of i guess works on paper by artists i didn't realize that they had made so many works on paper i can't think of any artists offhand right now um seeing thomas hasiago's sculptures in person was quite nice like the, the earlier ones not the bronze cassette once, mm -hmm. um, with the really nice uh, that inspired me to come up with new concepts on how I would display my sculptures on pedestals um, through him through seeing his work at clients houses um, what else has it changed maybe the things that you make because you know that when it gets moved around or handled that it might be treated in a specific way and you're like, mm, I'm not sure if I'm okay with that. Um, not really, because I've always been concerned about that for my own sculptures, because I have to move them around so much in the studio and I could really pinpoint like the weak spots where if somebody else besides me handled this, it's just going to be a disaster. Um, and it's hard to tell how something's really constructed when you're just like, plopping it up onto a, a wooden plinth or in the corner of a room somewhere. Um, I wouldn't say that my art or my concepts in art has changed at all. Um, it's, it's one of those things where you walk into a collection and you're like, I think every artist who works in that industry is always asking themselves like if their work would fit that collection. <laughs> and there's a lot of times where you're like, no, I don't think that would be possible. <laughs> or there's a lot of times where you're like, this collection's terrible. Like you should just buy my stuff. <laughs> yes. That's not a bad thought experiment to have though, about like how you fit in with like other pieces, you know, art historically yeah. currently contemporarily i would say like one other kind of thing that i found annoying about not to get myself in trouble but about artists 
is when you see something on Instagram or you see like an artist work over and over on Instagram or online and then you see it in person, for instance, like there's this whole other wave of like artists influenced by Jonas Wood mm -hmm. and they're doing pretty well for themselves and my boss at one of the jobs says that it's because people can't afford Jonas Wood, but they want something in that style. So that's why these people are coming up and you look at it and it's just, it's very lazy work. It's like, you can see they, they pencil, they lined everything out in pencil first and then they just filled in with colors. And it's so bad that like, you can see exactly like they started here, they moved to there, they ended there and Maybe the piece sold so fast they didn't even finish it, you know? <laughs> Things yeah. like that. Um, what else? Um, or like um, Kath um, Catherine Bernhardt, her work to me is very flat on Instagram. And when you see it in person, it's, it's really awesome, actually. It's like you could see the different textures in there. You could see how... There's not that much priming under, or to me it seemed like there wasn't that much priming of the canvas. And then the way that the spray paint hits the acrylic, or the acrylic over the spray paint, however she does it, creates this really sort of nice contrast that you don't get from seeing online that you could only get from seeing in person. And I got to see many of her paintings in person. She, I think that's a really good point because I, especially now, since we're seeing so many things online, like so much work doesn't translate well and it goes both ways. Like some things look really good. I think some of those kind of, I know exactly what you're talking about, like the, the Jonas Wood light uh, pieces and <laughs> on, you know, diet wood. Um, oh, that sounded perverted, but so, <laughs> but on, um, on Instagram, it's like you can look at it and you're like, oh, this is like, okay, but I can, but then you see it in person, you're kind of like, oh, this is kind of like lazy for, I'm just gonna yeah. go with your word. But then some pieces, like her stuff does not translate, other people you don't get, even with just like a painting two-dimensional work or even like a drawing, yeah. you don't like, and even some paintings, there's this new artist I'm really interested in or new to me, and I saw one of his pieces at the pit mm. last week, and I thought they were great on Instagram, but in person they were so much better because you see these like layers, you see these like movements of like, you know, just process and like in the good kind of ways. And it's just like, man, I miss J, I, I don't, I miss seeing art in person because the JPEGs yeah. are not doing it. Which, which artist was that? Uh, the artist, his name's Prime Munoz. My, my work is the same way. Uh, your, stuff is, your stuff does not translate as well in photographs. No offense. Yeah, a collector from London just contacted me and um, I, he asked me, I said, you have to purchase from the gallery, but the gallery is on vacation right now, so I'll just send you the, the pieces that are available. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, oh, okay. So when, and he was like, I'm on vacation. I'll make an appointment to go see them when everyone's back in town. And I said, well, the, the paintings are in my studio in LA. And he was very worried. So I said, um, okay, so my, the photos I sent you are like 95% true to everything. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like they look much more graphic in the photo because it flattens everything out. But the actual painting, there, there's 
brush strokes, there's bristles you can see, there's raised paint, there's other stuff in there. And then it seemed to calm him down to the point where he felt comfortable like he could buy it without seeing it in person. Mm -hmm. But yeah, my, especially with my big paintings, they, they look super graphic and, and, uh, on Instagram, but then in person you see they're very sloppy. <laughs> What have you seen, read, heard this week that's been exciting for you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know. First of all, what is a week? And you're also in like the works of moving. It's Monday. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've been in my bubble since the lockdown. Um, my studio has actually never been as busy as it has since Mary Garcetti announced that lockdown so I'm here every day trying to not look at the news too much um, and then my wife and I watch Netflix every night <laughs> what are you watching we're really into British crime shows <laughs> hell yeah so we went through Broadchurch um, that was great I think we've seen all the major ones now we're watching um, she's really into these kind of family feel good <laughs> TV shows and that are a little bit, maybe a little bit racy, I don't know, but we're watching last Ingo in Halifax or something like that. And it's about this, um, this woman who's old, whose father's quite old and then marries this woman and it's, it's like a family show. It's pretty stupid actually. <laughs> <laughs> I fall asleep after 20 minutes. <laughs> Hey, you know what? We all need something to fall asleep to. So, it's uh, yeah, easily and to everybody. Art-wise, I'm not. It's just weird right now because everything's virtual. Um, yeah, all these virtual shows. I know Europe's back open, so all my friends are showing in Europe right now and getting to go to the openings. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm trying to find some new music right now, but I don't know where to start. Um, yeah. Try not to look at Facebook. <laughs> All the angry yeah. people. <laughs> Wear a mask. <laughs> Who in LA is not wearing a mask? I don't understand. I, I never see anybody not wearing a mask. Oh, I went to my friend's house and we did like, she's got like a balcony and I talked to her from up there and she was right over by Air One in like mid city. And yeah. I was sitting on there on the sidewalk with like my mask on and I cannot tell you how many people are like walking by me. Like just. What are you, uh, either of you looking at on Netflix? Oh, you know, what? I saw this awesome movie you would like. It's, what was it called? It was about the Puerto Rican psychic. Okay. It's what on is that? Netflix. It's probably the most awesome thing I've seen in a year. I'm Googling this while we're Oh my god, what's Mercado? Mercado or something? Um Yeah, Walter Mercado? Yeah, that's it. All right. I'm I have no that. idea what that is. That is I'm my excited. I, you just said Puerto Rican psychic. I'm like, yep, I want to watch it. This is something I need in my life. And psychic who is like this big, big period is in the 80s. Ah, that's amazing. No, you know what I watched uh, yesterday was Mandy. Uh -huh. um, the uh, 
Panos uh, Cosbaros, he did the Beyond the Black Rainbow, which was a movie like the entire Doug Aiken workshop was obsessed with when I was there. But it's um, it's a horror movie that takes place in the 80s with Nicolas Cage. Mm. It's like one of like those revenge, you know, he's like on a quest of like deathly revenge. And it's like the colors are inc- like the, the film work was actually really amazing. And I actually got D- I got Netflix DVD just so I could get it because it doesn't <laughs> streaming anywhere. Oh, wow. And it was worth it. It was worth it. It's so ridiculous. I loved it. But the, the, you just like knew like the lighting designer and the editors were just like having the best time when you're watching it. Just like, you know, the forest is like red and purple and yellow lighting. And then like the editing's all like, like slow-mo and then like too fast. And then the sound is off. It was pretty, it was pretty psychedelic in like the best way. Um, so that's what I watched. It was like my one thing. Besides two dots, that's my that's my love of my COVID. It's just two dots to get me to two decompress. Uh, um, yeah. Have you either? Of you, what What is it like in London right now? Weird. Um. Well, mainly everything is open, so it's like it's very weird. Yeah. Because there's like people around. Yeah. And then, but then everyone, because it's really hot right now, so everyone's away. Yeah. So on all the news, it's like everyone's gone to the beach. Yeah. And people aren't really necessarily wearing masks, but they're on a beach. Yeah. And you can physically see, like, there's no distancing whatsoever. So it's, you know, it's, it's different. It's interesting. Yeah. I think we were lucky in LA, right? We didn't get that lockdown because we're all in our cars and yeah not like city so i mean i'm lucky here because like for instance the bendix building was closed for three months so all those artists couldn't go to their studios for three months yeah no yeah because then you've got like that nice like outside entrance and it's easy to get to you but there's so many people I know a lot of artists who didn't have access to their places and then, but then a couple people have like moved and they've gotten better spaces Yeah, uh, because I think spaces opened and, or they were just like, I need to keep working. And they decided to start looking when originally they weren't going to, Yeah, because they were just like, you know, just keep on keeping on. Um, so that's kind of cool. As far as I handling goes, it was pretty crazy because everything shut down for like, three months you know like because yeah. I, I basically cultivated my own clients and I I don't really work for any companies anymore in fact I don't at all and um, you make I make way more money like with my running my own clients and whatever but the phone just like all the jobs just got canceled and then yeah. soon like we've got into the softer lockdown like I was getting like calls all day long for like a week. Like, can you come over? Can you do this? Can you do that? Can I need six guys here? And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, cause I, then, I had pieces stuck because, in like, storage. All the companies like got super busy and all my friends work for all these different companies. So I'm like, I remember one day I needed two guys to help me with something at, in Malibu. And it took me three days to find two guys who were available wow like everybody i had contact was like dude i have too much work right now or i'm leaving the city for good or i've moved on to a different job (laughs) or yeah 
making more on unemployment, so I don't want to work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're all like super fair. I mean, and then you, you get to the client's house and they're just like, they haven't had anybody over to their house for like three months and they're just like so excited that someone's there. <laughs> but then it's like kind of a pain in the ass, like you're wearing a mask all day and you're trying to install and you're there for like six hours or eight hours. And it's like, uh. Cody, where can our wonderful listeners find you on the interwebs? Probably best is Instagram. Which is? At Cody Paloma? At Cody Paloma, yeah. I will put that in the little blurby. Um, thank you so much. It was yeah. so much fun talking to you. Nice to meet you, Erica. Nice to meet you as well. Bye. 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 <laughs>